All right, this is Rex Luther. I'm here with Superstar Bill Dundee. It's a new podcast. If you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. You can also find Bill on Facebook at If You Don't Want the Answer, Don't Ask the Question, or Twitter at Bill Dundee, or you can find this podcast in those places or at anchor.fm to hear this each week. Um, Bill, I drive around all day listening to podcasts instead of a radio, and I, I find Jim Cornette pretty entertaining. I listen to most of his stuff and uh, ran across his take on the story with uh, the famous Dundee Savage fight. Um, now, he did, <laughs> did qualify that by, uh, if you want to know the truth, uh, ask Bill, so I'm asking you, and what he had actually heard. But he put it out that uh, Savage thought you had a gun and was out to get him with whatever <laughs> promotional war y'all had going on. Um, and uh, coming out of a gym, uh, Pez Wadley, uh, Thunderbolt Patterson, Patterson, Candy Devine, and Angelo Poffo. The girl wasn't there. That's who I think called them. Okay. That's what I heard after, Candy Devine. And I, I saw the bitch come into the gym. So she obviously, there's no cell phones in them. They, so they were obviously somewhere where they could get a telephone call. So anyway, she called them and they drove down in the van. Thunderbolt now, Patterson, now, Pez Wadley, and Angelo and I didn't know Randy now, was there at that Cor- time. Cornette says he heard that um, y'all had some words, exchange words, no confrontation. Words after. And you went to your trunk to get an equalizer. And um, Randy took the, the gun away from me. Fuck. Popped you in the head, broke your jaw. Randy took the gun away from me. Shit. Uh, when he saw, let me tell you the real story. <laughs> All right. All right, Jimmy, I don't know who told you the story. And you're very good at telling BS, I guess, but we all are because we were in the BS business. But anyway, I come out of the gym and Angelo Paffo, Pez Watley, and Thunderbolt Patterson came walking towards me and I was sitting on my car, on the, who did the, on the, on the front bumper of the car. And the next thing I know, wham, I said, what the fuck? And look up there and Randy Savage just hit me and kept on running. Never broke my jaw, never knocked me down, never knocked me out. He just punched me and hit me in the top of the eye and it switched the bone places with the, the bone at the top of your eye. It just switched places. So there was no blood. There was no... You couldn't tell I'd been hit, actually. So Jarrett... I never took no time off. So when I went to Jarrett's... And me and Randy Savage going to a fucking fight, blah, 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 blah. So then I went home. I go home. And the police is at my door, wanting to arrest me with assault with a deadly weapon. I said, assault with a deadly weapon? I said, yeah, I guess you could call that. Gun's a deadly weapon, ain't it? I said, but that goofy Angelo Paffo and his boys, Randy Savage and Pez Watley and Thunderbolt Patterson, was, I go into, Randy sucker punched me, and, and I showed the guy, see my eye right there? There was no blood, no mark, you had to feel it, the, the dent in the thing. He said, Lenny Potter, Randy Savage, he said, yeah, we've had trouble with him in Nashville, and about two or three weeks before that, the dog had bit him. He'd go into the waffle, the, the one Dutch talks about. Right. They got in the fight in the Waffle House, and he punched the cowboy. The Waffle House people called the cops, the cop comes and said, fuck Randy Savage, let the dog loose. Dog bit him, pulled him all over the damn place. So he's always been an idiot. 
And I hate to talk about him because he ain't here, he's dead. So, I mean, he may be up there, I don't know where up there is or down there, whatever it is, but Randy was paranoid. Most paranoid man I've ever been around in my life. So, we have to go to court. So, Jared said, gets the lawyer, do the thing, we go to court. So, we're sitting, and me and the lawyer sitting outside the court, and Angelo, uh, George Weingroff's dead. Saul Weingroff walks up to me, he said, Bill, we need to go Broadway with this thing. I said, go Broadway with this thing, for what? I'm going to beat this bastard, I don't like him. So he said, no, 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 we don't, there was no cell phones in them days, so he said, call Jared. So I don't have to call Jared, this is a lawyer, and we are going in there, and I hope they have a good one. He said, no man, we don't need that, we don't need, this is uh, George's dad, George Weingroff, senior. So I called Jared. I said, hey man, they want to go Broadway with this damn thing and saw Weingroff's talking. And I said, we can win. What I told you, Jerry, is the truth. He said, yeah, probably, but it's not good for the town. Always worried about the money. So anyway, I said, well, if you want us to drop the charges, we'll do it. Because they said they would do it too. So anyway, we go back into court and they pulled us up in front of the judge and the judge says, Bill Dundee, you want to drop the charges? Yes, Your Honor. Boop. Randy Poffer, do you want to drop the charges? Yes, Your Honor. Bang with the gavel. Over, gone. So we're outside now and I haven't talked to Randy since the fight. So I'm kind of brave now. We're outside the, 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 the court and the, the, I said, hey man. I said, I've had your best shot, and it didn't really do nothing except put a little dent in my fucking eye, but you ain't had mine, and you're going to get it. So, he just gave me his, he did his Randy Savage deal. But how the gun came into play, I've got a little ahead of myself here, how we, the gun came into play after he hit me in the eye, and he kept running. Now I know why, when I looked up and watched him run across the parking lot and up the hill, their van sitting up there with every one of the boys in it. There's eight guys in the van. The whole crew. The whole crew's here, but they never came down. So he took off, so then he comes back. And he did say, you have a gun. I said, you're fucking right, I got a gun. And it's in the trunk. No buttons on the keys them days. You have to put the key in it. So I do that. So Randy comes back, and his father's standing to the right of me, and Paz Watley and Thunderbolt standing off a little bit to the left. So I get the trunk open, get the gun out. So Angelo is right in front of me, so he grabs me by the hand. When he grabs me by the hand, it pulls it around, and the gun's pointing right at him, so I cock it. And Rand, Randy was coming back. I said, Angelo, get your son off. He, he, Come to jump on my back. I said, get your son off my back or I will kill you right now. And he just went, boom. And then Randy went, oh, you crazy motherfucker. And he took off running again. And this time he ran all the way up to the van. And I thought, well, I think I'm winning this. So I, what, I can't shoot fucking poor Angel. <laughs> so I thought, well, just standing there like an idiot. So I uncocked the gun. I said, you need to piss off. So he leaves. Bolt and Pez, they leave. So I go into the gym, work out. 
This is how bad my jaw was broken at somebody told cornet. No broken, just a little dent in the top of my head. I showed it to you, you know what that did, right there. So I called Jared from the gym phone. There's no at the office. I said, hey man, I just got in a fight with Randy Savage. He said, oh God, that's all we need. I said, well, how is it? So I said, well, I come up and see you. So we go to the office. And then I go home. And I'll be damned, I'm not in the house. 20 minutes. Open the door and there's two cops. Bill, we got a warrant here with your arrest. I said, oh, you do, do you? He said, yeah. I said, let me tell you who it's from. He said, I said, Randy Savage. He said, yeah, him and Angelo Poffo. I said, well, that's his dad. I said, Poff is his real name. So he said, they have a warrant out for your arrest for assault with a deadly weapon. I said, well, I guess you could call it a deadly weapon. It was 38 pistols. So. Took it to court and finished. Jared, right. y'all finish it off? So. Yeah, so we go to court. So I called Jared up and he said, well, you need to swear a warrant out for his arrest because that's what you have to do. I mean, I need him in court too, right? So I go to tell him what happened. I tell the cops to fight and do the thing, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, they set a court date. We got to go. Me and my lawyer, Jarrett Hyer, Poffo and his whole crew, and little old me. So I just go there, so I was sitting in the, the back of the court. George saw Weingroff comes up and he says, Bill, we need to go Broadway with this thing. I said, go Broadway with this thing? I said, I'm going to win this. That fucking idiot right there, and two or three months ago, the, the cops arrested him for being an asshole in... The Waffle House and punching a cowboy, and the cowboy punched him back, and we're winning this. He said, no, we need to go Broadway. So I called Jarrett, and I tell him, and he said, okay, go Broadway, so that's what we do. Judge calls us up there, said, Angelo Bobo, there, bam, Bill Dundee, yes, drop the charges, bam, and it's over. Good deal. So no broken jaw, no, no wired jaw. No broken jaw, no, nothing wired, no time off. Well, good deal. That's a good start. I'd like to welcome a couple of our sponsors, Bill. Chicken Partners. Uh, it's a whole big business out there I didn't know about. It. Chicken Coops. You can, uh, you've can. you been to Greensboro, North Carolina. Yes, uh, sir. I've rustled there. They've, uh, you can call them at 336-391-9773. They cover Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, and Tennessee. That'd be a heck of a territory to drive, wouldn't it? Yeah, we wrestled all them towns too, so we've already drove it one time over the life. Also, I'd like to welcome uh, Baker Roofing for all your roofing needs in uh, the Memphis area at 901-574-7775. And tell them the superstar sent you, and they're going to give you 10% off a full roof replacement. Also, um, don't ask the question. If you don't know what the answer, don't ask the question. Um, Twitter, you can find Bill Dundee. You can find uh, personalized autographed photos, books, DVDs there. And um, uh, that's a good way to start. And uh, that'll set uh, what Cornette heard straight. Uh, right. Take a little break, and we'll be right back. Yeah, in the good old days, business was business. And I understand business is business. And we're all trying to make a few dollars. But they hired the son of a bitch. Jerry Lawler did, Savage. 
So Lawler tells me, he said, a friend of yours is coming in here, or words to that effect. It's a work, he said, yeah, well, savage. I said, well, this is y'all, steadily do whatever, you know, what, what can you do? It's business exactly. is business. So the first night he shows up in Memphis, you've been to Memphis that long from the babyface dressing room back up to the, to the, to the arena, that long hallway long. there. I'm walking down there and he's walking up, coming out of the dressing room. And Jamie's with me. Jamie's about a little bitty fella. I don't know, six or seven. So <laughs> he just keeps walking. So I, I well, hell, I just keep walking until we go past one another. So Jamie, so looks at me and said, you're the man that punched my dad in the face. Oh, kid, heavy drugs. And this is how he says it. Heavy drugs, kid. Heavy, no, we're talking in that voice. He yeah. does. Heavy drugs, kid. Heavy drugs. Oh, that, that, all that. And, he, and he's trying to make it funny. Right. So I said, and then Jamie looked, heavy drugs. He doesn't, he's this big. He don't understand. Jamie hadn't smoked pot yet. But anyway, <laughs> that's what he said. Heavy drugs, heavy drugs. And then we pass one another. Lawler works with him, beats him, he leaves and two or three months later or whatever. I never got to work with him, never even got to be in a tag with him. So, so I've never worked with Randy apart from rolling the well, never even rolled around the parking lot. He sucker punched me and I ain't gonna shoot him. But that that was the closest I got to working with him. Was there ever any any uh chatter or ideas to put you all together? When no, there? I don't think and I don't think he would have done it. I don't know if I would have done it. I understand. You know, I mean, it was, but business was business, and 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 he wasn't a, he wasn't Billy Robinson. You know what I mean? Billy Robinson mad at you. That's a different thing. Randy Savage mad. I'd had Randy's best fucking punch. He run down in the parking lot, hit me in the eye, never knocked me down, never knocked me out, nothing. So I don't know. If he worked the punch in the parking lot, I really don't know. <laughs> who who knows? Well. All right, well, that's the end of the, the Savage Dundee feud, I guess. So, Jimmy no Cornette, no broken jaw. All right. Hey, Bill, there's been a couple questions from fans on uh, the most dangerous match. What would that be? And they, they, most of them thought it was a scaffold match. And uh, you've been involved in a few. You actually looked like uh, pretty, you were pretty comfortable up there. I was watching the old videos, and you and Coco Ware probably did more up there than any other since that I've seen. Um, how'd you get, get roped into that? Well, and they were, they were debating over what the first one was. The first one was Jerry Jarrett and Don Green on a 12-foot step ladder and a plank across. I, I saw that. It, it was listed as 71, but it looked like exactly what you said. A couple ladders with a board in between, so I don't know if that was a... Ladders and board match, or or a scaffold match. They yeah. called it a scaffold match, but anyway, then they didn't really do anything. So when I, when Jarrett come to me about the thing, I said, "That scaffold match." I said, well, "What the hell was I working on with Coco?" Yep. So we do with Coco. I said, "We need something different." And I said, "I saw that this damn thing. I had, somebody had showed it to me on the bus going to Texas." The, the the scaffold match when we used to go to Texas. So anyway, I said, let's do a scaffold match. He said, you want to do one of them? I said, yeah, but not on that 10 foot ladder. I said, I want a real scaffold. Now I didn't think he was going to come three tails and this fucking thing going to be 40 feet in the air. But when I knocked Jarrett's 12 foot ladder, he, 
Well, in the Coliseum, then I would. Quite a difference. What is that? He said, that's the scaffold you want. <laughs> okay. So as long as Coco was fine, I'm fine. So anyway, we got up there. Coco was, wouldn't say scared, but if you're not used to running along that plank. It's a long way up. It's a long way up. It's a long way down. And if you miss the ring and you get to the floor, there's another four feet. Yeah. So anyway, we had a pretty good scaffold match. Coco wasn't really scared, scared. I mean, you, you have to be cautious. But he was the best opponent as far as, you know, standing up and punching. Most of them I've seen, they, they end up sitting on their butt, right. swapping a couple punches. But uh, I think you did a couple dance moves up there. Yeah, I don't know. Did. And Coco like, run along the thing, too. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he was Y'all were doing some moves up there. Yeah, we, we tried. And, and the, the other thing is, you can't really take a bump, bump off it. You have to kind of get off the, unless you just took a crazy bump. But I never saw anybody do it. So Bobby Eaton was a good bump taker, but even when he did it, he was very careful. There's no, there's no good way to fall that no. far. And when you're 30 feet in the friggin' air, there's certainly no good way to fall. And me being the champion of the scaffold, I never had to take the bump. So, well, uh, Bill will roll right into. Um, I've got quite a collection of books, and one of them I actually enjoyed was uh, Bruno Lore, Wrestling with the Truth, Downtown Bruno. And uh, <laughs> came across some interesting stories. Um, said he came into the territory and had met everybody and had shared a couple of opinions of everybody, but uh, said he felt pretty comfortable. And you had, you had been gone somewhere and came back, came in the dressing room, and he actually announced it as... Then Satan returned to the territory, uh, disguised as a Scottish wrestler who everybody thought was Australian, named Superstar Bill Dundee. Um, said you'd, you'd come back from the Loser Leaf Town match with Lawler, and um, you came to the dressing room and kind of took shots at everybody, and was actually a, an asshole. You were you were pretty pretty hard on Tojo, um, Billy Joe Travis, and. Um, he didn't like you. You were kind of a prick to everybody. And yeah, he even but, said something to him. Looked at him and asked him, who the fuck are you? And it'll be a couple months before I have your pants pulled down and make a fool of you in the middle of the ring. You're no Jimmy Hart. Um, and he, he had a little bit more to say that uh, Lawler had told him to protect his gimmick and not take any bumps. His gimmick. That you popped him in the mouth. <laughs> And uh, he was afraid, he was begging uh, Tony Falk not to tell on him when he got back to the office, but Paul Diamond ratted him out, and he got in trouble and got on the bad side of Lawler. But the next night, Lawler was watching, and, and you behaved. And the next night, you, uh, you gave him a nut shot, and he didn't appreciate it. He was pretty pissed. So the next night, I don't know if it was it's at Evansville or, or somewhere, Nashville maybe, um, it was in a tag match, and uh, you crawled under the ring trying to be your cute self and was going to come over and, and sneak out on him, and he, he caught wind of it, and he thought, well, he's not playing fair, so he doesn't care. I don't either. And he hightailed it back to the dressing room. said you were pretty pissed when you came out from under the ring and looked kind of foolish standing there with nothing to do, and you were pretty hot. And uh, he said the next night, you threw him into a ring post or something, you end up breaking his collarbone. It was pretty rough on him. And back then, 
uh, you worked or you didn't get paid. So he said he had to work young in the business to uh, with a broken collarbone and he didn't appreciate it. And he, he uh, I guess you, I'll let you pick up on that. He had some other interesting choice words for you. <laughs> uh, Bruno, Lord, he told Lawler told him to protect the gimmick. You know what Lawler told me? He said, I've hired this smelly, stinky son of a bitch from New York and I'm going to bring him in here and make him a manager. You know where he ended up living? Where's that? In Lawler's tool shed. <laughs> in his tool shed? In his tool shed at the back of his house. Hmm. The guest house. The guest house, yeah. Oh. <laughs> where Lawler kept his lawnmower, I guess. But anyway, Bruno started off being a stooge for Lawler. And he's absolutely right. I didn't like him. He was a drunk. He'd never really been in the business. And he was a smart ass and he was from New York. So anyway, we got off on the wrong foot. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with him. Well, uh, he uh, he actually said after you, after he disappeared back to the dressing room that uh, you came back pretty hot, called him everything but uh, but a white man. And uh, you, were, you were pretty hot and even threatened to call Jerry Jarrett, have him fired. Any truth to that? Uh, I don't know none of the, the the whole thing's bullshit. But what can you say? That's Bruno's book. Well, he He's said right. you're so hot that uh, he always kept a real sharp knife within easy reach. And uh, if you'd have got stepped closer, a little little more aggressive with him, that uh, he'd have cut you without hesitation. And that he was just doing <laughs> what the what the Booker Lawler had told him to do. Uh, so has he never heard you never take a knife to a gunfight? Maybe so. You know what I mean? Um, I carried a pistol. He carried a knife. Who would have won? Well, uh, but going back to it, I won't lose, leave Rocky Johnson out of it. He said that Rocky Johnson kind of stirred the pot between yeah, you had some that's fun. That's Rocky's personality, just having fun having and doing fun. all them things. And Bruno, you know, green guys in the business. And I don't know that Lotto said that. What did what did he protect the gimmick? What was it? Well, he said he was he was he was building up to, of course. Uh, a blow off with Lawler, so he didn't want him uh, taking bumps all over the territory with uh, on his way up, so he'd have some value. Uh, I think he even questioned your booking knowledge or style um, that you were killing off the town before you were getting ready to do business. If you had already beat him all over the territory, it just wasn't good business. He didn't know if you didn't care or uh, you just didn't see it that way that that was how you, you built the town, that he shouldn't take bumps leading up to the blow-off with Lawler. Uh, well. You, you, you've booked, haven't you? Yeah, just you, a couple you built of built a few towns. And, okay. and for Bill Watts, the best two years he ever had in the business, I booked it. Now, uh, now in all fairness to, to Bruno, he did say that uh, he understands that, that Rocky had sold you and him both on some stories that the other one hadn't said and kind of amped it up a little bit. And that uh, over the years that he learned to, y'all treated each other with respect and were able to work with each other. And he actually uh, said he went to Central States and he did not like Bob Brown. He'd referred to you as Satan, but uh, <laughs> he said Bob Brown was the building D of Central States. Probably. He said you were the Pope compared yeah. to, to him instead uh, of he, Satan. Yeah, Bob could be a little thing. I worked up Central States too, but I mean, Bruno didn't know a damn thing about the wrestling business till he got here. He was what Lawler said. He was a grubby, smelly little brute when he got here. Just, you know, drank. Well, he, he did have one more thing 
that he said it kept it going, that it that was uh, bothered him about you. I think uh, Paulie came in, so he figured he was getting his, his walking papers, and he started looking for a job. He got in touch with uh, Continental over in Alabama and talked to Ronnie West. said, Ronnie West called you up, and then you, you told Jarrett and Lawler, and uh, Randy Hills came in and was ready to fire him for looking for work. And um, then when he got ready to go there, Ronnie West told him there was no job there, so he was scrambling for a job. And... Uh, he kind of held that against you. He understood that you were letting him not set anything up or work, work any angles with him if he was leaving, uh, but he just took it personally that you kind of messed him out, screwed him out of a job, actually. And that's how he ended up, he said, starving in, in Central States. Um, but he said that uh, there was a couple differences between you and Bob Brown. Uh, you had a, 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 a athlete's body. You could work on the mic. <laughs> and you'd look him in the eye and tell him that you... You screwed him because he said uh, you told him on the way out, uh, be careful who you call, mate, referring to his call to Ronnie, yeah. Ronnie West, that you had ears in the business. So, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Half of that, but I, I either don't remember or it never happened. And I would need, have I had to bet my life on it? It never happened. And, and the guys are good at that. They want to make themselves. Where was Bruno ever to start? For a year, he lived in Lawler's shed. Now, he, he, he made it to WrestleMania. Let's, let's don't hold back too much on him. Made it to WrestleMania. Well, what did he do? Harvey Whippleman. Oh, yeah, Harvey Whippleman. I never knew nothing about Harvey, so I can't <laughs> say nothing. I never saw him work as Harvey Whippleman. He was downtown Bruno when he came here. <laughs> downtown Bruno today to you, huh? And he's still downtown Bruno. Well, I, I think he... he he moved on past Lawler's shed. I think he has has a place out in Walls that he's real fond of. So, Walls, Mississippi. They even had a downtown Bruno day over in Walls, Mississippi. So, um, he bought a trailer. Okay. Brand spanking new. And I was in it when it was brand spanking new. About a year, maybe two years later, you should have saw this thing. Oh my God. I don't know if he ever cleaned it, washed it, vacuumed the floor, done the dishes, whatever. It was horrible. And I, I don't know where, he couldn't have been brought up that way. Your mom and dad just wouldn't let you live like that. I, there's no, I, I don't think. When he was a kid, some, you know, the, the, but when he got to be an adult looking after himself, he was nasty. But Lalo told us he was when he brought him in. He said, this, I know this guy, met this guy up in wherever it was, New York, or wherever he's from up north. He said, nasty, smelly son of a bitch, but I think we could get heat on him. Um, well, we got heat on him, all right, with me. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm sure that uh, you, you and Bruno will, will work again. Maybe yeah, I mean, I... Get along good with him now. Yeah, he uh, he backed off all of that in the book. He he said that y'all were y'all were fine today. So, uh, well, we wanted to clear that up out of out of downtown Bruno's wrestling with the truth. I guess you had some truth to wrestle with there. Well, right. And here's the other thing: you can write anything in a book, and this internet thing is worse. You can th that goes out the day you do it. I mean, Bruno had to write that book, write it down, get the book published, and it took two years for that to happen. 
you know how the internet is today. You can write something and post it off, and whoever you're talking about knows about it the day, the, the, two minutes after it's done. So I don't know if Bruno gets on the internet or what he does, but you're right. I we we get along good now. So what can you say? Just right and wrongs. And uh, we're gonna take a break here, Bill, and we're gonna come back and uh, get your opinion on the state of wrestling today. <laughs> Um, so, so they're going to train me, halfway train me, and I do a couple flips, and that's what I see on right. TV. So, monkey um, see, monkey do. And, and that's uh, what Vince... I wonder why the girls aren't screaming, or the, the kids aren't lining up to buy pictures or to buy a ticket. You know, um, to me, I, there's nothing emotionally invested in that guy. You know, right. I, I, I sat on the front row, and either somebody was going to... Uh, worry that you were bleeding and Lala was getting the best of you or that you were going to choke him to death. And I saw the girls crying and, and screaming, and uh, I don't see that. You know, I see some people getting into it, and they, they might like a couple of flips back and forth, but I just don't see the emotion. We were at a match, you know, here recently, and we were talking about the building. There was just nobody seemed to be there for wrestling. They, they were, I don't know if it was a, a locker room, uh, seemed like to be a quilt and bead to hang out. And the crowd seemed to be, there was just no buzz. There was no magic going right. on. They, they were just waiting. Um, and the other thing, we, we had 30 years of television before we got here that people watched. I mean, 56 or whatever it was, Nick Gullis was running wrestling in Memphis, Tennessee, or whoever was promoting it, or whenever they started it. So they, they had TV. And not that Vince is like we keep going back to Vince, but if he's going to the TV business, that is the, the, the how it is today. But without TV, you can't draw it live shows. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at you. Um, as Memphis, that the times were changing and the TV went away. We were talking the other day about some guys that uh, you know it, it must be hard to, to stomach that you came to the party ten years too late. Right. And uh, we, I'm going to throw some names out to you. You know, uh, Johnny Dotson, Derek King, Kevin White. Um, don't want to leave anybody that, that should be in there. Alan Steele. Uh, some of these guys. Um, <laughs> you know what the funny part of that is? They're all Bill Dundee students. They all started off with Bill Dundee 20 years ago in Bill Dundee's wrestling school. So they have the foundation. What they want to do with it. That's up to them. There seems to be no place for guys like that right, to, to go. To, yeah. Then outlet to, to do they're it the still right way. the best of the card that they're on. Yeah. And, and they still. And those are the standouts on right. the, the cards around here. Yeah. And uh, you, you, sometimes you, uh, you, know, you think to yourself, you know, oh, yeah, those guys that I just mentioned, they could have, in your they, opinion, they, they, they could have made yeah. it on Memphis TV yeah. and been part of the. The, yeah, well, some of them has been to the WWE and done little shots up there. At least for Vince to take and even beat you on TV, you have to have a little talent. Certainly. Well, uh, we're going to finish things up here. Anything else you want to finish up with, Bill? No, it's just if you have a good job and an education, keep going <laughs> because the wrestling is not coming back to what it was in Memphis when I came here in 1975 or when Sputnik Moreau was doing it in the middle 50s. So... 
if you have a good job, hang on to it because wrestling, the way we know it, is over. And if Vince is going to that TV thing that you just said, he's, he's signed a billion dollar contract with a TV station, they're going to TV. Well, uh, for the meantime, I guess we'll just meet here every week and uh, talk about the good old days and give your opinions of what what is comes down the pike. Yeah, in the good old days. You can go upstairs to my office and it's flashback to the good old days with all stuff that's on the walls. It's you know, like it's, a museum there. It's, yeah, uh, you've been up there, so maybe we'll... Wrestling fans treat. We'll, we'll, we'll have to go up there and find some topics to, to hit on for the next time. Yeah, but the next one we may do up there so we can look on the wall or see something or do whatever. But I've had my since 1962. I started in Australia. So doing jobs for Jim Barnett, and then we came here in 75. So technically from 75 to now, I've been a top star in the Memphis wrestling. Jerry Lawler was the other one, but he went on off the Vince, and I did a little turn with WCW back in the 90s. So I've had a hell of a life in the wrestling business. If the good Lord takes me tonight in my sleep, been a good run, huh? It's been a hell of a run, so I hope he doesn't. Yeah. I hope he's not looking for a booker, but, <laughs> uh, you know. Well, so. uh, just want to remind everybody to go to the Facebook page. At, uh, if you don't want the answer, don't ask the question. Uh, Twitter at Bill Dundee or Anchor.fm. You can follow up on uh, where Bill will be making appearances. Uh, you can pick up some souvenirs. You can get them personally autographed, some pictures, DVDs. Um, any, on any of those spots and uh, come back and, and meet us next week. Hey Memphis, Tennessee, this is Bill Superstar Dundee and I'd like you to tune in every Monday night to listen to the podcast and we're call in the phone numbers you can call in, you can do Twitter and if you're smarter than me on the computer you can do all kinds of things. But anyway, listen to it because we're talking good old fashioned wrestling Memphis style and we'll see you every Monday night. Thanks, bye.